I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles chapter 5. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In 1 Kings chapter 8, the first 11 verses, and 2 Chronicles chapter 5, we find them moving the ark to the new temple. Verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 8. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the seventh month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel, who were assembled with him, were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Now let's look at the passage that was shared with the returning exiles in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold, and all the furnishings. And he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, in Jerusalem, that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with the king at the feast, which was in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles of the ark could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. 
Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they had come up out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions, and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jedithon with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them one hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever." that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So in this passage we see that the temple is complete. This project actually began back in 1 Kings chapter 5 and 2 Chronicles chapter 2. Now we need to get the Ark of the Covenant into the new temple. Now you didn't casually move the Ark of the Covenant on just a whim. People have died for doing such, as was the case with Uzzah back in 2 Samuel chapter 6, also 1 Chronicles chapter 13, it's recorded. It's time to kick into action all those musicians that David appointed before his death. But first, everybody needs to be consecrated before God. We don't want any moving the ark mishaps this time. And so it was done. Everybody consecrated who were involved in moving the ark. It's time to transport the ark to its new home now, in the Holy of Holies. In order to undertake such an awesome responsibility, they show God their sincerity and willingness to obey with sacrifices, or as 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 5 says, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Now that's a lot of sacrificing. Must have worked, though, because no deaths are recorded here. We see in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11, that all the priests, regardless of the course they were in, according to First Chronicles chapter 24, that all the priests were involved in this move. And finally, how do you know you've erected a house that God will actually indwell? Well, it's simple. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Remember that cloud by day back in the wilderness which represented God's presence? Well, here it is again and it's inside the new temple. I love it when a plan comes together. It's called the Shekinah glory, God's glory, and it's filling the new temple. Now, I've written an article on the Shekinah glory, and it's located on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, or you can find it in the topic section of BibleTrack.org. Now, something's missing, though. Notice Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they had come out of Egypt. The same statement of fact is also found in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 9. Has anyone seen Aaron's rod? And, and remember that jar of manna that we stuck in the ark back in Exodus chapter 16, verses 32 to 34? Well, those two items appear to be missing now. I suppose someone along the way took those two items out and they were removed and that's all we really know. The content of the remaining portion of 1 Kings chapter 8 is also found in 2 Chronicles chapters 6 and 7. Now, we'll be dealing with that passage of scripture, the 2 Chronicles portion, in another reading uh, 
but I've written those, the text, in blue next to the first Kings chapter 8, beginning with verse 12, so that you can, if you're looking at the written notes, get the proper context. But today we're just going to be reading Solomon's prayer and his pre-prayer comments from 1 Kings chapter 8, now beginning with verse 12. Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell on the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son, who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel." And there I have made a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. So here's Solomon's message. Of all the people among whom God could have chosen to dwell, we're it. Of all the places in which God could have had a temple built, this is that place. Solomon blesses the people of Jerusalem this very day. As he speaks to the people of Israel, he reviews the provisions of the Davidic covenant, proclaiming that Israel is the nation of God and that the throne of David shall endure forever. That's per the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. In his presentation, he points out that God had authorized the building of this new temple by David's son, Solomon himself. Then in verses 22 to 53, we have the prayer of dedication. Now, incidentally, you'll notice if you're looking at the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today that we also have listed in the right column, Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 12 through 42. We'll deal with those verses and read them in another day, but they are parallel to these verses in 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you how much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, 
that your eyes may be open toward the temple, night and day, toward the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk, and send rain on your land which you have given to your people as an inheritance. When there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locust or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hand toward this temple, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your namesake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays toward this temple. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. When your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen in the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land of the enemy, far or near, Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive, and repent, and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, saying, We have sinned and done wrong, we have committed wickedness, and when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive, and pray to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which they have transgressed against you. And grant them compassion before those who took them captive that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace. 
that your eyes may be opened to the supplication of your servant, the supplication of your people Israel, to listen to them whenever they call to you. For you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance, as you spoke by your servant Moses, when you brought our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. Now this is one of those covenant prayers, and a long prayer at that. Solomon is well aware of the fact that Israel has lapses of uh, service to the Lord from time to time. He includes that fact in his prayer of dedication. He also makes an important statement in verse 46 when he says this, When they sin against you, and then in parentheses, For there is no one who does not sin. Well, of course, this is the cornerstone doctrine indicating the need for a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's interesting, though, that Solomon, beginning in verse 46, seemed to assume that his people will sin and fall into captivity because of their sin. You'll recall back in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that Moses prophesied that Israel would indeed sin and that they would fall into captivity. Solomon includes in his prayer the notion that Israel, after going into captivity, will once again turn back to the Lord. At this point in his prayer, he calls upon God to forgive them when they repent while they are in that captivity. This fall in repentance was all part of the prophecy that Moses had given back in Deuteronomy chapters 29 and 30. It's interesting that Solomon simply accepts Moses' prophecy as a given reality, even though it's not taken place yet. I'm guessing that it did not occur to Solomon that his own permission for his wives' pagan idols to be set up on the temple grounds would go a long way toward Israel's moral corruption and ultimate fall as we see in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1-8. through 8. And then Solomon gives a word to the people in verse 54. And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord that he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine, with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day may require. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. Well, no dedication is complete without a word to the people, a pep talk about doing right, and a word of blessing upon the people of Israel. Take note of Solomon's statement in verse 56. He says that God's fulfilled his promise to Israel through Moses, inasmuch as now they have rest. This promise to Moses is seen in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 9. Israel is to be God's showpiece on earth to all the people of the world, as we see in verse 60. And then in verses 62 to 66, the sacrifices begin. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 62. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. 
And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. At that time Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath in the book of Egypt, before the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, fourteen days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king, and went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant David, and for Israel his people." Now, incidentally, these remarks in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 62 to 66, are also paralleled in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 4 through 11, which is our reading for another day, so we won't read those verses today. But we see here seven days of sacrificing. Whoa! I mean, they're breaking in this new altar big time, 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep in seven days. To make room for the large numbers of sacrifices, the whole middle part of the court in front of the temple was consecrated. This dedication was combined with the Feast of Tabernacles. We see in verse 2 that they were gathered for their regular annual feast. It appears that they actually observed their Feast of Tabernacles for seven days, and then the dedication of the new temple for an additional seven days. That clarification is seen when we compare verse 2 here with verses 65 and 66, and additionally, when we consider the wording of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.